We are not fighting an alien invasion. We're leading a revolution. And today the battle begins. You just saw an image of one of the creatures we're fighting. Describe it. I can't. They are everywhere. We saw hundreds of those things. We still don't know what they look like. It's like they edit themselves out of your memory as soon as you look away. The exact seconds you're not looking at them, you can't remember it. How long have they been here? As long as there's been something in the corner of your eye, or creaking in your house, or breathing under your bed, or voices through a wall. Who and what are you? Alien invasion may live here. This is an empire. America is occupied. The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I am Kyle Jones, and I want to say to my esteemed co-host one important question. Gentlemen, how goes the day? And Clarence Brown, I'll start with you. How goes the day, my friend? It's it's going, man. It's going. I don't know how esteemed I am, but I appreciate that intro. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's going. <laughs> oh. How about you guys? <laughs> well, Lee Shackelford, for you, my sir, how goes the day? Oh, fantastic. It really has been a great day. Got a, a lot of projects going and they're all, they're all good stuff. They're all fun stuff. So I love that and love to get back with you guys and uh, talk about Doctor Who. I want to say to start off that we have some news. And since the last time that we've talked, there have been some pictures that have come out of the holiday. I'm not sure yet if it is a Christmas special or if it's a New Year's special. So let's call it a holiday special yeah. of Doctor Who. Have either of you seen the pictures? I have indeed. And, uh, and, I, and I think the article called it a holiday special, just to keep us guessing. So yeah. Thoughts on the pictures? Uh, not a lot to tell yet, but, um, it's, um, I, I, I'm just worried that we're never going to see, you know, new who again. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just glad to see anything. <laughs> well, speaking of not seeing, you know, the face of who uh, literally perhaps in 2021. And for this is one time I think I'm okay considering everything that's going on. I think I'm okay with the fact that we may not get any doctor who in the upcoming year. I think this is obviously understandable with everything going on. That said, I was talking about the face of Doctor Who. I've not watched this yet, but I have recorded as on BBC America, the faceless ones. And this is, of course, one of the recreated animation style stories from the second Doctor's era. Thoughts of the faceless ones? I don't think any of the three of us have seen this, but have either of you watched it and I'm not aware of yet? I have not. No, I, I don't have BBC America, and um, I, and I I was uh, Nicole got me excited about the prospect of a Blu-ray in the U.S., but there don't seem to be any plans for it right now. All the the disc releases are in a region that our players won't play. Mm. Well, I think it'll probably yeah. eventually get here because sure. isn't that the way it usually? Of course. I mean, we're a pretty big market for them to ignore <laughs> the United States, but. Yeah. And, you know, the faceless ones is one of those that always turns up on people's lists of, oh, my God, if we could only find, you know, a, a complete version of this one, you know, that it just seems so intriguing. And so this is this is probably the best. This may be the best we'll ever get. And uh, I, I'd, I'd like to see it. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know what? I think I'm there for that. I think I'm OK with the recreation because I would rather it see it in animated form than not see it at all. Well, exactly. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, do either of you have any other items for the news? If not, I have some feedback that I'd like to share with everyone. So any other news items before we move on? But did you did you say what the photos were that we were talking about? The, the Oh, this was... absolutely. The photos. My, I'm yeah. sorry. My, my, I totally lost it. The photos. You know, we know what we're talking about. But yeah, <laughs> good, good, good point, because I'm thinking here and sitting here looking at the photos. One of them <laughs> is a picture of the doctor. And it looks like she's been in jail for quite some time. And the other one is of the three fam slash companions 
and it looks like they are dealing with the absence of the doctor for quite some time. Yeah, we can only speculate, but yeah. And interestingly, she she's writing on the wall of her jail cell, and she's doing that thing of making sets of five by going one, two, three, four, and then a slash to the four. Where have we seen that before hmm. on Doctor Who? So that's kind I don't of remember. Yeah, yeah, me either. No. But I've got my but my arm is covered with them. What are we talking yeah. about tonight? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, that's the flashing on your wrist, sir. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, actually, I gave you a nano recorder, so you 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 should have. Uh, you just forgot. You forgot to. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Just look in the show notes because there is a picture okay. in the show notes. Trust me. Very I did good. not forget seven minutes into <laughs> the episode. Trust me. But, <laughs> but, but, but before we get there, I do have some feedback. You flew into the wild and fire. Oh, Dalekon. And the feedback Ooh. comes from our friend, Vanessa McNamara. And hey, Vanessa. she. She Yes, yes, yes. Hey, Vanessa. So Vanessa gives us feedback this week because I'm holding some of her feedback for next week because it's so great that I want to include all of it. The first bit of feedback that she sent is from Vincent and the doctor. And Vanessa says, what can I say about this episode? It's not a masterpiece, but then it's pretty close to one. I know the monster is a little funky looking. Perhaps they could have done a better job on how it looked, but as a symbol for Vincent's depression, it was a nice touch. I can always cry when watching the museum scene, and an episode that I can do that no matter how many times I watch it, and it is a rare find these days. I also greatly enjoyed Lee's observation that people love seeing justice done. And just to close for this episode, the good things, bad things quote at the end will always be one of my favorite quotes of Doctor Who. So, Lee, I want you to comment on this one since she referenced you. Thoughts on the feedback? Oh, it's 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 just the kind of thing that we hope our, our listeners are are getting from the show. I I, I, I I very much appreciate the fact that she agrees with me about about this being an important point and uh and it's so true it's like the whole episode is made if nothing else in the episode is worthwhile we get to that moment of the doctor having to sort of uh, explain to amy the the point of view that he's developed after 900 years of interfering in other people's lives you can't make everybody's life 100 percent better that's just not you know it is a profound observation from this character. And, and um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Awesome. So Clarence, I'm going to let you comment or, or not let you, I'm going to ask you <laughs> to um, comment on the Pandorica opens this bit of feedback that we've got. Vanessa says that this is also probably one of my favorite river song episodes slash two parter. She is fully formed As we go along, she will become younger, and while I think she plays it beautifully, this is my optimum river. The one thing I wanted to mention is the doctor's speech. The first time I watched it, I failed to hear the practical reason for it. The doctor says to Rory as he climbs down that it will be, or that it will buy them 30 minutes. I would have loved the speech regardless because I liked all of them, but I thought that it was interesting. Of course, the doctor likes to show off. So that that's that. So about River, what were your thoughts of River and the Pandorica opens and the Big Bang for that? Um, I don't know. Maybe you should come in on this. You're the river guy. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was just River being River. I enjoyed it as always. I don't know if there's anything that really, really jumped out to me um that's out of the ordinary for her um what do you think oh anything out of the ordinary let's just say that any episode that river song graces our presence we should be humbled by the appearance of river song how about that yeah i mean it's just like in this episode we're reviewing, reviewing tonight i thought she was fantastic in it as well so yeah. i mean you know it's, it's hardly a time when she isn't really fantastic so i think, think it was just her being her and that's always great oh cool well we have one more piece of feedback before we get into our review this one comes from facebook from janet ballard hall so welcome janet this is the first time that we have had feedback from you so thank you very much for sending this in 
She is commenting on episode number 212-212, which was our review of The Lodger. And she says, is it possible that the woman at the beginning foreshadows Amy's emotional journey after finding the ring? Thoughts, guys? That's very interesting. Huh. That's what I thought, too. Yeah. She goes on to say... Craig needs a kick in the butt from the jealousy from the doctor and to get unstuck. And that was 25 minutes and 30 seconds into the episode. <laughs> uh, Craig did miss the many. Craig did miss too many moments. Also, both he and the doctor can't read emotional signals very well. And she says that's 27 minutes and 30 seconds. I love the detail. And yes, the ending was weak. The episode left me thinking that the writers just wanted to have fun with those two awkward guys and needed some story to put around it. The whole phrase thing was silly. I think that's a good good assessment of the lodger. I think it really is about Matt Smith and James Gordon. And and yeah. (laughs) Yeah, He's he's all of us a little bit, you know, Uh, we always see the. We always see the the uh, player or the the man, the ladies man always depicted on television, at least most of the time. So uh, we get to see the other side of it. The shy guy, which, you know, is me. So (laughs) I enjoy it. Cool. Well, thank you again, Vanessa. And thank you again, Janet, for sending in feedback. And of course, for everyone listening, if you would like to send in feedback, please do. You can find us on all the social medias at Discussing Who on Facebook, and you can send us an email at discussingwho at gmail.com. So, gentlemen, any other things you got at this moment before we move on? I think silence has fallen, so that means (laughs) I get to say, if you have not seen Day of the Moon, Put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. 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 Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review Day of the Moon. This is the second episode of the 2011 series of Doctor Who, airing on the 30th of April 2011. It starred Alex Kingston as Dr. River Song, and co-starred Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor, Karen Gillan as Amelia Pond, and Arthur Darville as Rory Williams. Summary view, Clarence Brown. What did you think of this episode? I I very much enjoyed it. I enjoyed the aspect of this race of aliens have been here forever. <laughs> we don't know about it. And um, everything to have to do with the mechanics of how they work, as well as how we came to the resolution to get rid of them, which I thought was very clever. You know, just, just the ride along the way. I thought all the characters when uh, rare form is most of, as always. And, uh, I just, I just enjoyed the ride. I enjoyed the ride. Yeah. I think enjoy the ride is a good way of putting it. It's, uh, it's another one of those episodes that encourages you to think a lot, but if you think too much, you may ruin it for yourself. Um, <laughs> I've still got trouble with the silence. I, I, I always have. And I, and of course, this is the big episode for them, and it just makes it worse. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, but there's so many, there's just so many things to love in this episode that you just can't not have a good time with it. That's that's how I feel. What about you? Oh, what do I think of this episode? Two words: river, river song. song. Yeah, yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Realistically, this was an episode that broke my brain. And I remember yeah. watching it going, really? huh? What? Who? What? Huh? What? What is this? Uh, oh, wait. Uh, uh, uh. So hmm. we will get into it. But, uh, my brain was like thinking, oh, please don't, don't do what I think you might do because this isn't, no, they're not going to do that. No, they can't do that. No. They didn't do that. But I was wondering if they were <laughs> going to do that. But like I said, we will get into it. But yeah, I loved this episode 100 percent so let's yeah. start from the oh go ahead i'm sorry those are coming real quick it, it it brought up another feeling for me is uh especially you know we talked about river earlier but the the notion that river thinks she's always going to be saved and 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 that really just made me think to other episodes we reviewed to where she's done some things and expected the doctor to be there 
mm-hmm. and it it really made me just drill down and focus on our first moment, well, our first few episodes seeing her, which you know is her last moments. It 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 made me feel sad for those moments because yeah. the the doctor couldn't do it. He couldn't save her. Anyway, I, I don't know the real this discussion, but wow. Oh, this this two parter ends with real tears in her eyes. Um, yeah, yeah, that's how it is, and we will and, get uh, there. Trust me, we, we, yes, will, we will. We will we'll definitely, definitely get there. Get there. But no, I, I, I'm with you, Clarence. Uh, I, I, uh, th- we've now seen this enough times. You kind of want to go. Oh, she's going to dive off a building again. <laughs> but then we get the line from the doctor later where <laughs> Canton says, "Yeah, well, she, she, she dove off a you know 50 story building." And he says, "Yeah, she does that." <laughs> so I, out in uh, the vast of spa- uh, space, it doesn't matter. We do it yeah, all. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she does that. So let's start at the beginning. We had left off with a cliffhanger last week of shooting the little girl who is in the space uh, suit. We yeah. start off with the beginning, and basically, it looks like Amy and Rory are running for their lives, and. I want to know what you guys thought of the apparent assassinations, or as Le Bichon Frise would say, when Canton assassined them. And Lee, yes. what would you think of the assassins? Oh, it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it, before the trailer, uh, Amy and Rory are both irrevocably dead. And then you remember that Rory has been dead several times already. Yeah. So, hmm. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, there's a, there's a way out of this. But I do love that um we we have one of those uh, previously on doctor who kind of recaps um at least in the in the copy that i have so it ends with amy pulling the trigger and shooting the impossible astronaut and then we cut to her running and you know <laughs> the cops are after her so when you juxtapose those it looks like that's why they're after her and uh I, you know i thought well i guess there wasn't really any way out of this was there uh, yeah it's it's real it makes a lot of sense uh, but yeah, then we go to area 51 and we'll get into that. But yeah, Clarence. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, damn it. How many times is Rory going to die? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Exactly. Like, oh, it happens again. Uh, but, but what I really loved about this opening sequence, and this was, this is what like a lot of people complained about the, the, uh, sequel movies for star Wars. Uh, the, the main trilogy is where between, um, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, no time passes. And that's not normally how a Star Wars movie works. Mm-hmm. So I think it was brilliant for them to push ahead, um, what was it, three months? Mm-hmm. It, it, it gave yeah. time, even though we didn't see it, but we can kind of think in our head of what may have happened during that time, you know, of, of time passing and they had to live with this new found circumstance for a little while. So I felt like the, 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 the skip in time made it a little bit more impactful to see her running in the desert and, you know, Rory and what Hoover Dan, wherever he was. Um, so I loved all of that. The beginning sequence was, was, was pretty brilliant. I see Clarence, you hit on something that I think is essential to the narrative of this entire season, not just the fact that this between episode one and episode two, you jump ahead three months. In episode one, you jumped ahead 200 years, at least in the character's perspective. So yeah. time is so literally wibbly wobbly timey wimey throughout this entire narrative of the entire season that I think, like I said, you hit upon something that I think is totally, completely essential to the story that Moffat is laying out here. I loved it. I love not knowing what was going on. And then when they get back inside this cube that's being built, that you think Canton is basically, what is he doing, et cetera, and so forth, you realize, oh, wow, they're okay. <laughs> Thoughts about them being okay. And Clarence, why don't you take it first this time? I, you know, I, I say I never remember this, but I didn't remember, but I knew they'd be fine, you know, so I kind of expected it. I think also, um, we didn't mention it, but having, I say, I call him Jesus doctor, but doctor with the long hair, <laughs> the beard, uh, I thought that was good at establishing they've been through some stuff as well. 
And you know, when when it when they turn out that when it turns out that everybody is fine and Canton is still on the good side, I was like, yay! But I didn't quite remember. But you know, it worked out. So one thing I was wondering is like, when did the doctor shave? I don't remember that happening. Did I miss something? I don't remember that happening either. No, and um, and I was reading things on social media as I do before we get on the air, and and people were talking about River coming after him with a razor. Hmm. Interesting. And, and there's also a joke about his handcuffs that she makes too. So do we have a scene missing? I was fixing to say, did 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 the scene that we get here get get abbreviated? Or maybe I just missed it. Let me go back and check. Well, yeah. <laughs> and 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 I'm hoping that people will who are hearing this will will say, no, I've seen that, and we'll, we'll compare versions. But but mine was uh, my copy of. Uh, um, the day of the moon was acquired through other means uh, from the BBC uh, mm. when it aired. So I, I feel like I had the on the on screen version that was originally aired. But so what? Huh? Well, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that be interesting if something was cut from the BBC version but restored for BBC America or something like that? Yeah. Well, or the reverse. Yeah. Possibly. I mean, usually it's the other way around, but. Well, you know what? I'm 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 very curious about something, and mm. I am going to the watch the episode again. No, oh, no, no, no. What I because I own the 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 version that I purchased way back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, 2010 or whenever um, from iTunes, and I know that that's I'm looking at the amount of time minus 46 minutes and six seconds, and it looks like. The one on let's be uh, on uh, HBO Max is it says 47 minutes. So interesting. Mm-hmm. And if I were to look now, I'm curious. Uh, I was looking to see if it said how long it was, but it doesn't. Uh, it says um, on the TARDIS fandom website, it says that it's 45 minutes. So I've got one thing that says it's 45 minutes, one thing that says it's 46 minutes and six seconds, and another thing that says it is 47 minutes. Interesting, yeah. So, so wibbly wobbly timey wimey. I guess yeah. so. <laughs> well, 46, you know, 28. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and I know what the difference, okay, I know what the difference is for. HBO Max, they have that 15 or 20 second segment of when I was a little girl, et cetera, and so forth. That's right. So that's the difference. Hmm. Dave Cooper, we need you. Tell us. All right. So what we do know is seven minutes into the story, and Lee, this is a background I want you to give us a little bit. We see a device used by the doctor that has a special meaning for me because I was sent on a treasure hunt of sorts a couple of years ago <laughs> for an item. So would you like to share that story? I forgot about that. Yeah. During a, during one of the, uh, the four floods we've had through our house, uh, I, I, I lost a bunch of, uh, a bunch of toys, but one of the things that I found and rescued was my, uh, the, uh, the, uh, a nano recorder gizmo that, um, what are they called? Um, who is it that does the, the licensing, the license, the BBC licensed uh, toys character mm. characters in the name? Anyway, people are shouting at their pod players right now. Anyway. Um, but yeah, they, they made a, a perfect replica of the doctor's uh, nano recorder and it, and it, it makes a sound and everything. It doesn't actually shoot something into your palm. Perhaps, thank goodness. <laughs> you probably couldn't sell something like that. But anyway, I was, I was so happy about that. And we had just been talking about Day of the Moon. And I said, I'm going to box this up and send it to Kyle. I'm going to give this to Kyle. Um, and um, yeah, and then it, it went to your wrong post office box or something. And so you were hunting all over town wondering what in the world it could be. And then it, when you got there, it was something that is related to not remembering things. <laughs> yes. So, so uh, from there, and it does have a um, little nano thing like in the hand that, and it does blink red. And I think that is yes. so cool. Okay. And when I got it, I, you, you, you told me something about, I wouldn't remember it. And I think right. you, and you even put, uh, you know, like some markings. So that was a, not a dead giveaway, but I probably spent about three or four hours 
painstakingly, which I'm so glad I did. I had so much fun with it. Yeah. But uh, I painstakingly started going through every episode of The Silence in backwards order. So if I should have started <laughs> front to end, not back to front, yeah. I would have probably found it. But, yes, I did More find it. So that was about seven minutes into the <laughs> story. So that was there so cool. Is. So what I want to mention about that part of the story, the silence is in the TARDIS. And I'm curious to know what you guys thought of silence yeah. getting into the TARDIS. Thoughts? Wait, was it in the TARDIS or that was just a projection? Uh, I thought that was just a projection. So was the projection of the silence the same thing as the silence? <laughs> that's a little bit of weeping angels again, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, I had the same question was, how did you get in here? But then it's demonstrated to be a, 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 a hologram later, but it still works. As soon as Canton turns away from it, he forgets that it's there. So I, I don't understand what the rules are. I got a yeah. lot of problem with the silence. <laughs> yeah. It, it works over taped and broadcast media, just as if you were standing in front of it. So Inherently, the power of forgetfulness is in the look of the silence, literally, and not in some, you know, pheromone or yeah, psychotropic. <laughs> right. It isn't a smell that's in the room. Or something. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Or else the, the whole payoff at the end of them being on the the, uh, the lunar landing broadcast wouldn't work. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So but this yeah. is something I noticed about the silence, and I'm curious if you guys picked up on it. Did the up close version of the silence that was in the TARDIS did the suit the men in black suit as we called it last episode did it look almost papery slash leathery slash latex slash I don't know what it was but did it, did it just kind of look weird yeah that, that's part of their look and if you if you look closely at them always it looks like their suit isn't made of cloth but it's it's their skin trying to imitate a suit. And I've always thought that was one cool idea about it. Like they've, like they're, they're they've got a sort of a chameleon cell or something and they can turn part of their clothes, their skin black. Then they've just sort of tugged it into place somehow to make it look like a suit. But it doesn't, yeah. When you get up close to it, you can see that's not cloth. Ew. It's, yeah. And they really captured that. I noticed in the, uh, the action figures that my son had one of those and, uh, they really had that kind of snake-like uh, texture to their, their clothes. Very strange. All right. Yeah, so but I, you're, you're not imagining it, no. Okay, cool. So, Clarence, I want to get your thoughts on this one because I found this to be profound. And I know we mentioned it last week, but since they actually talked about it this week, I'm curious to get your insights. This conversation that Rory and the doctor have about being able to segment off his memories, et cetera, and so forth. What was your take overall on that and Rory as a whole for this episode? On his memories, um, being able to block it, I guess, block or call him up when he needs them. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm thinking that's going to have some greater importance, but, <laughs> but I can see why you need to do that. As I probably do every day, which is probably not a good thing. <laughs> it is block it off, put it, put it in the back of your head. But yeah, he says he can, he has to really think about it to call up these, these, all these years he was, um, you know, the centurion. And yeah, so I found that, that very interesting. I think that might come back again, but I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. And also, you know, we get this whole conversation of where, um, Amy, he's basically, um, what, uh, Spying on not spying. He has Amy's uh communicator thing that you guys were just talking about, nano uh recorder. Mm. And he's hearing all of these, you know, things pour out of her as she's in his moment of distress and how horrifying it, it is for him to think that she's pretty much forgotten about him in her time of need. You know, he think he thinks that she's just thinking about the doctor and I found the way they played that in this episode and even, you know, showing the moment of the doctor and Rory kind of having the interaction there. Um, I think that was well played and, you know, kind of threw us in the wrong direction. But, yeah, I'm glad that that he was actually the what is he called? A raggly face, scary, scary face, stupid face. Stupid face. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that was actually him, not the doctor, because they had me wondering for a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, Lee, what did you think? Um, about which? We're talking about, about them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pick one. Um, yeah, I, I, I love that that moment. It's one of my favorite things in the script, really, is that Rory listens to this conversation. And then it dawns on him as he's listening that she is – it's like she's praying and she's reaching out to the one she loves most. And he's waiting for a sign that it's him. And she says – and then she says, that day you fell out of the sky. And, and he's crushed. It's, it's it's not him. It's it's the doctor, as he always suspected. It's um, and then of course she tells him that's a metaphor, stupid. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and gives him this really hot kiss too. It's like, yeah. I, I yeah. think we, were, we all were crushed when she said that. <laughs> oh no, Roy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he feels it when I. But watch, he accepts it too. He accepts I mean, it. It, and in the midst of them talking about the the uh, Roman Empire, the two thousand years. I mean, in the midst of. The gravity yeah. of what he he's done, we're hearing this feedback that she might not even be thinking about him in her time of need. So it gets back to what our, our listener was just uh, just commenting on that I it, it goes back to as an audience, I think we do have an intrinsic sense of justice, and there's and the, the script takes us right there that we're suddenly we're on we're on Rory's side completing. We and I think we all are now wanting to shout at Amy, dude. He waited for you for two thousand years. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, but that's not what she means. And thank goodness. So well, it's OK. Well, you know, I remember watching it and it made me a little angry at the writing. I, and, and I mean, I really vividly remember this from watching it the first time through a little angry and a little. Oh, no. Here they go again. More uh, trepidation <laughs> because I liked the dynamic that they were building. And I thought for a second until they you know, cleared it up, of course, at the end of the episode. I was like, please don't go with this <laughs> antagonistic between her and the doctor because that I didn't want to see. I wanted to see where it was okay that the female or, or, or one member of the couple had another relationship that was platonic and it was okay to have the platonic relationship and still have your romantic relationship between the couple and there not be this uh that never works but 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 i in my brain it says why couldn't it well it you know it should be able to i know but on her deathbed i mean yeah i get it i I get your point but still you get where i'm going though right no no i I totally get what you're saying right yeah but uh but i thought as far as the acting goes I loved the awkwardness that Arthur Darville was portraying uh, and him and Matt Smith played off so well against each other. And even, you know, with Karen Gillan, when she came into it, when she was like, oh, stupid face, that 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 was so organic, so real. Just again, why I love the three of them together, just totally, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. So I want to know what you guys think about this place that they go to this orphanage that is run by dr renfro yeah thoughts and lee why don't you start with this one what were your thoughts of dr renfro (laughs) this is some of our good old um you know reminder that doctor who is um is a monster movie every week this is a the scout the silence are one thing but this is really scary uh this um uh hell for children um, which is festooned with with graffiti that says "Get out," um, yeah. which apparently, well, I mean, he can see it and he thinks it's the mischievous kids, but the kids have been gone a long time, and he just doesn't know. That's that's really sad and frightening, and you kind of wonder how he's staying alive in there, much less looking after a baby. But uh, it, it's it is it's just good old horror horror house you know, kind of stuff. Um, and, um, and, and, and they play it for all it's worth. You know, you, you can't turn the lights on in there. Of course you have to have torches to go in and shine around. And <laughs> so very, very scary stuff. All right. Clarence, what did you think? Yeah, I think this, um, set piece has one of the scariest moments for me that I can remember in Dr. Who. And that's, as, and that's when Amy's in the room and you have, 
these silence silences silence sil- 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 <laughs> silence yeah <laughs> you have the silence uh sort of like bats just hanging from the ceiling oh yes that is so creepy right can you even imagine seeing the scariest thing you've ever seen and then looking the other way and, and you don't even remember it. Oof. I mean, good for you, but that, yeah, that creeps well, me out. <laughs> except that they're still there. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, boy. Yeah. So that was super creepy. Yeah, I think that that image you're right is so make your skin crawl creepy. You know, and that doesn't happen very often with Doctor Who, especially if you go back to classic and you can kind of you know sometimes poke fun at some of the monsters of the day because of you know budget and other restrictions that they had at the time but the silence from the ceiling we're all afraid of the dark on some level kids are afraid of the dark and we we are conditioned to grow out of it when we get older but oh yeah that that to me was like totally creepy so i have another question about this place this orphanage and Clarence, I'll point this one to you first. Do you think this is where this child grew up from a baby? Do we get any other reason to think that that wouldn't be the case? That that's where the little girl grew up? Uh, spoilers, I guess, on this one. Um, cause I kind of remember a little bit what happens after this or on down the line, but we do get that one flash of where, um, Amy sees through the window and we see this character who we haven't seen before with, but I know from the future. Um, and, and that kind of spoiled it for me, but, but yeah, we, that's, I guess that's a good hint for anybody seeing this for the first time that something else is going on there. Cause when we go in that room, there's like nothing, you know, everything's like gone except this lone picture of, of Amy, a pregnant Amy, if I remember correctly, Amy with the baby. Oh, with the, Oh, with the baby. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So, yeah, but but the but the, you know we see pictures of the little girl and it looks like you know where she's grown up so I'm the way I took it and and Lee tell me if you agree with this the way I took it was this Dr Renfro has been raising this child for the last six or eight years however old she is it feels like that's what we know now and we may learn something different later but yeah for the moment I mean he says. It's like the one thing that he can be uh, uh, lucid about. He says, no, I have to take care of the child. That's what he, he said. That's what I'm here for. So the silence in that case has conditioned him and and did what they do. Their brainwashing or whatever you want to call it is yeah. I this is my function in life and this is what I exist for. And, and it and it leads to the doctor saying uh, to me, one of the things that makes makes your flesh crawl uh, when we've seen how many times. Some of our characters have marked on themselves to remind themselves that they've seen a silent. Um, he says that uh, prolonged exposure to that memory erasing does permanent brain damage. Mm. And that that's what's going on with uh, Renfrew. Yeah. For for me, I, I couldn't really gauge the time. Of course, we know it's like two years later than a uh, past when the orphanage was supposed to be closed. But. Because his memory was so untrustworthy, I couldn't really gauge whether what he was saying was true or, yeah, you know. Right. Yeah. He, he's a very unreliable witness. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I totally, totally agree with what both of you said there. So I want to move on for a moment and I want to talk about something that happened while Amy was in this Orphanage, and I keep drawing a blank every time. I want to say moratorium, but yeah. it's because it, it was so bleak. But but this yeah. orphanage, when she's walking down the hall, she sees this person look out from the side of the door through this little viewfinder thing, you know, and she's having this conversation with someone. She shuts. What did you guys think at that time? Seeing this, what do you remember your initial thoughts or your thoughts watching it this time? Clarence, why don't you take this one first? What did you think of seeing the woman looking out of the door? Yeah, I think I just slightly hit it on this. Um, it, it just made. It just made me know that there's more to it because, of course, when we first off, when we go in that room, she's not there. Yeah. So um, it just lets you know there's a bigger, bigger mystery 
to what's going on there. And as well as, you know, again, like what we actually see in the room once we get in there, that something's not quite right. Got you. And, and it's one of the the ways in which this feels like uh, like we're just doing a, a scary movie, but it's also some really solid sci-fi too, because I, I love the fact that we feel like what, this must be a doorway to another dimension or something like that. Yeah. There's got to be something that happens between your being on the outside of the door and being on the inside of the door. Um, so that when she comes in, she's somewhere else. I mean, you can't, you can't watch Doctor Who without knowing that that's possible because <laughs> that's how the TARDIS is. You know? Yeah. And, and talking of science fiction, I, I hate to backtrack along our own timeline, but we've missed talking about maybe one of my favorite pieces of double talk ever. I just, I love the phrase zero balance dwarf star alloy. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? It means mm. nothing, but <laughs> I mean, I mean, zero balance, I mean, zero point is a, is a real thing. And, you know, dwarf star is a real thing, but you know, so you, you kind of push those, those buzzes out there, but I, I love the, the cage uh, in at area 51 that is and one of those things that i had completely forgotten about about this episode so i was just delighted when it happened and uh i just i just love everything about it there's no way in there's no way out and people keep coming out of it later yeah. on in the episode <laughs> who yeah. weren't in there before or or canton is in there for for days you know what were you doing in there <laughs> it's just, yeah. i just love it I uh, said so the doctor says they're building the perfect prison, or somebody says it. Yeah. And then I, I was like, I thought that was a Pandorica. I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> Again? Yeah. But he says, you're building me the per the perfect prison, and it still won't be enough. Because the TARDIS is already in there. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's cloaked. Why don't <laughs> we use this cloaked cloak more often? I mean. Yeah. It's the same question on Star Trek, right? Because it would make everything too complicated. So we'll just <laughs> – we'll forget about it when we – Yeah. All right, so I want to talk really quickly about the rescuing Amy scene. Yeah. You know, the the silence has Amy. They're in this TARDIS-looking spaceship. They've had her for a while. They keep erasing her memory. The Doctor and River and Canton and Rory arrive, and you have this moment of the Doctor and River back-to-back back fighting the silence as Rory is rescuing Amy. So before I go, what do you guys <laughs> think of this scene? And Lee, why don't you take this one first? What were your thoughts on this scene? Oh, it's a lot of fun. And it is, I, I love the fact that the Doctor and um, River are, are, are still sort of flirting as they do while they're facing down the silence. And Amy has to call their attention back and say, I think I should be a little <laughs> higher priority right now. <laughs> oh, man. This is completely true. But I love that. But yeah, but he says, but he, he warns them, this lady can shoot four of you. And she says, oh, seven, darling, seven. <laughs> yeah. And he says, really, seven? She says, oh, for you, eight. It, it's it's wonderful dialogue. Uh, it, it It helps me to take my mind off the fact that I am, as I think you know, a complete – Apollo nerd. And so I know all of this uh, ground to ship talk from July 20th, 1969. And we're hearing it in this episode and it is all out of order. That's really? so, so there's just a part of me going, Oh, that's not when, Oh, <laughs> never, it doesn't matter. Who cares? It does, you know, but still like, Hey, they wouldn't have had a TV view of that. That's film that they brought back, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but then we get there and yeah, we have this scene and it's uh and, and what fun it is. Yeah. It, this is one of River's greatest moments. I agree with everything Lee said. I think the, the, the back and forth between the doctor and River was, was so well written and fun and playful and flirtatious. And, um, you know, again, what Lee said, but with, 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 with River being the muscle, I just love that being a difference of what you would normally think, um, <laughs> you know, America. Uh, but, but yeah, <laughs> she's the muscle here and she's the one with the gun. And the doctor makes this quick statement about, you know, normally, normally he wouldn't use a gun or something to that effect, mm. but he has the muscle with him and she's freaking fantastic. <laughs> so 
Yeah, all that flirtatious stuff was was great there. And then, you know, she made a comment about the doctor just having a screwdriver. You need to go fix a cabinet or something. That's <laughs> <laughs> all wonderful. You, you oh. feel sure they've had this this discussion before. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. good. Oh, so mm-hmm. good. I mean, this... when you said Murica, it reminded me that, that uh, the silent very, very uh, uh, cavalierly says, we have no need of weapons. This world is ours. And Kent just pulls out his gun and shoots him. And it's, it's very <laughs> Indiana Jones. But he says, welcome to America. Yeah. Also yeah. reminds us of uh, Independence Day, too. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Earth. <laughs> so, oh, man. Yeah, it's a lovely thing. <laughs> Speaking of it's a lovely thing, this yes. scene yes. was one of my all-time favorite River moments. The you know we we we've not mentioned music Murray Gold in quite a while, mm. so I think it's appropriate to mention Murray Gold for this particular moment because the music in the background. I think the the song that was being played was a, a piece called "The Wedding of of River Song," and mm. um, it is awesome. It is beautiful. It is brilliant. I've listened to it thousands of times i love this i love the scene i love her going around in circles after the doctor is out of sight that he can't see what she's about to do and then you know does the flipping of the um putting the gun back in the holster and looks up at rory and basically as he didn't see you know did my sweetie or whatever he didn't see me do that did he i love that (laughs) right yeah awesome action shot Awesome action shot. She kind of kneels down and the camera pans in. It's just beautiful. Yes. <laughs> beautiful. Yes. And, and, and back to what, uh, you were saying, Clarence, that it was a woman that was doing this, not your typical, you know, here's the man coming to save the day. Yeah. So beautiful, awesome, totally freaking awesome. All right. So they've rescued Amy and I want to talk really quick, just to be on a little light here for a moment. Tricky Dicky. The scene with, uh, between the doctor and our Richard Nixon. So Lee, why don't you take this one first? Richard Nixon and the doctor, tricky dicky. Thoughts? I, I, am I the only one of the three of us who, who remembers Nixon? Uh, I um, vaguely remember. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I, I was coming of age during Watergate. So yeah, I, yeah. Anyway. And I resented him because the whole thing was preempting shows that I wanted to see. <laughs> That's that was principally my experience of it. it was not this again, but because <laughs> I was twelve, you know. But um, yeah, it's just it's just marvelous, and I love the way he's used here. And I, I was reading something today saying that uh, uh, Moffat had contemplated coming up with a a pretend president, mm. uh, a, as we'll do on New Who later, you know. Um, but then he decided that because he he just thought that Nixon kind of wasn't I, I don't I'm not sure what his objection was, but he he just didn't kind of didn't want to get into it. And then he started thinking about how awkward Nixon always seemed, you know, that he he, he didn't seem to have social grace. And and that's true. That's how I remember and think of him, too. So that would be funny to put him in situations where he's got to be presidential, but he sort of doesn't know what to say. <laughs> Mm. So, so you have him coming into NASA to rescue the doctor. And he's saying, uh, hi guys. <laughs> I'm President Nixon. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Who are you? Harriet Jones? Yeah. We know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's a lot of fun. It is interesting to see uh, a British writer writing about Americans. And I feel sure that in me trying to write about, you know, British history or, law or things like that, that I've gotten things way wrong, but there are little things um, in this script. Um, Nixon wins the day there at NASA by saying, well, I am your commander in chief. Well, NASA isn't really military. It's a private organization. So he, he really isn't the commander in chief there, but um, okay, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and a thing that may look like a mistake, but I feel sure is deliberate is that Rory, as he's leaving, he feels he needs to say something. Why is <laughs> his undercover secret agent position? So he says, America salutes you. And then he gives them a very British salute, the palm out. <laughs> <laughs> America salutes you. Yeah. What wonderful scene. He's playing with the lunar lander model. Yes. And he like breaks it. He breaks the antenna off. Yes. Just kind of sits it sits down. Just down somewhere. Yeah, that's just that's just good clown comedy. And Arthur Darville is so, so good at it. So yeah. good at it. 
Oh, and the get up there with the glasses and um, also River with the the late 60s get up there. Yeah. Yeah. I really didn't just for a flash didn't recognize them, which is kind of the point. But um, Star Trek fans will also appreciate the doctor being caught inside a uh, part of uh, Saturn V there because um, that's what Gary Seven is doing in uh, Simon Earth. <laughs> that was so good. That was so good. Yes. <laughs> And he's put everything back, except he's got a wire left over. Isn't that always the way? Oh, boy. (laughs) So what did you guys think of tricking the silence, the way that the silence was, quote, unquote, defeated? Any thoughts on that? And I'll open that up to either of you. Yeah, this this part of the episode I thought was brilliant because they established that the silence were pretty much giving – um, commands when they did appear, they were able to give, um, I forgot the exact wording they used, but psychic inf- influence or something to that effect to make these people carry out their orders. You know, the whole reason we have the space program is because they wanted the suit. That's kind of how they explained it. But, yeah. but I love them taking that one little bit of them having that psychic influence and using that as the resolution. Of the episode and so brilliant that it's in this piece of footage that they're, that's in the moon landing footage, but we'll never remember seeing it. Just, oh, I think that's so good. I, I really love that. <laughs> it is. It's, it's a fun, fun idea. And I, this bugged me for a long time that everybody remembers that, but they don't remember that they remember it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, okay. I, I just, I think my instinct at the beginning was that I don't buy it, but Clarence is right that if, if you, when you see the episode again, and when you think about it, that's part of why they're a threat. They've always been on earth and they've been influencing our history. I mean, they're responsible for a lot of our history. The doctor even says that, um, when things go bump in the night, when you think there's a monster under your bed, that's them. And it's always been them. Oh God. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So, so even though we, so it actually does have a good internal logic that, yeah, we do forget them constantly, but they're also able to give us things that we'll remember instead. And that's why we have to kill them on sight. <laughs> and now, thanks to the doctor, that's the part we remember. So it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's this piece of footage that everybody has seen. Yep. Everybody's seen. All right. So let's talk really quickly about what I call the kiss, the scene between the doctor and River. And I will go ahead and preface and say this was my favorite scene because mm-hmm. it is just one of the saddest and perfect example of the doctor and River's relationship. You could come with us. I escape often enough, thank you. And I have a promise to live up to. You'll understand soon enough. Okay. Up to you. See you next time. Call me. What? That's it? (laughs) What's the matter with you? Have I forgotten something? Oh, shut up. What's wrong? You're acting like we've never done that before. We haven't. We haven't. Oh, look at the time. It must be off. Um, but it was very nice. It was... It was good. It was uh, unexpected. You know what they say? It's the first time for everything. And the last time. So... I want to know what you guys think. What did you guys think of this scene? And Lee, why don't you start it off? This uh, this episode has two of the hottest kisses in all of Who. Of course, there was a lot to <laughs> not a lot of competition in the, the old series, but uh, uh, boy, that 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 I was talking about you, stupid face. That kiss mm-hmm. with the uh, Amy in the TARDIS. Wow. <laughs> and then. 
the, <laughs> then a river just grabs the doctor and draws him into this kiss. And it's, uh, boy, you can feel it in your toes if you're paying attention. It's, um, it's just an amazing thing. And I love how off balance he is afterwards. <laughs> and it doesn't know where he is. So, ah, if you haven't had that experience, you know, it's, uh, you're not living life, but yeah, <laughs> just that, wait, where am I? It's just wonderful. All right. Clarence, any thoughts from you? Uh, for me, uh, of course, the, 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 all that was, it was hot and passionate, all that stuff that Lee said, uh, true enough. But I had a problem with, Thinking of the logic of the timing. So he said that's the first time that she's kissed him like that. But she said it's the last for her. Or she implied that it's the last. Mm -hmm. But it isn't the last, right? Well, in her timeline, it is. And from her point of view. Uh, What about the the night at the uh, towers? (laughs) Oh, God, I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Spoilers, cut it out. Spoilers, yes, but, but no, you're right. And, and I've, I've always had trouble with this. I don't, this is the part where I, I don't know if, if they started, if there's a point in our own continuity here where she has to start re, you know, revising things that are in her little blue book because I don't know. <laughs> see, I don't see it as revisionary. It, it breaks it, your brain. And that, but see, that didn't, that didn't break my brain because yeah. they answer in a certain towering episode. Yeah. That some things were out of her pre, pre, you know, her perception or that you can't put it in the book if you don't know about it. How about that? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. So, so at least so, from her point of view at that moment in that episode, that was the last time. Yeah. 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 But but I mean, logically speaking, if you think of it, it would make sense if it's his first is her last. Right. Just on the face of it. But yeah, since if, everything if they're isn't really it. going in opposite directions. And yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> love, love, love that scene. It's just there's nothing not to love about it. But before we get to the final scene, I want to make a comment that I find odd about this episode that I think that I just find weird about this episode. And I kind of have a problem with, and that Mm. is everybody's happy. We've defeated the silence and we've gone and said our goodbyes to Nixon and Canton and everything is hunky dory. And let's go off and whoever you want to come with us. No, I break out enough, et cetera, and so forth and so on. But was no one wondering where the little girl was. Did no one care what happened to the little girl? I, I hadn't, I hadn't consciously thought about it, but you're right. Um, if they lost track of her, that's one thing, but. Did they yeah, even go looking for her? Right. It's what? just not, it's, we just, it's like, yeah, it is like we just forgot all about her. Hmm. I think the doctor mentions it, but he's like, do you want to take a vacation first or something? <laughs> it really, uh, it, I don't know. Maybe that's a river. Well, no, river was at, I don't know. They just totally kind of. Oh, oh, I think I just answered my own question. Maybe from the doctor's point of view uh, of where he was when he went with them to this this place was in a moment after he's gone to war, so to speak. Mm. So he would know that it was okay to do whatever they did. So that kind of and so I think I answered my own question without giving away too many spoilers. Maybe. Yeah. And, and when they're back in the TARDIS, um, the doctor asked Amy if she's okay. And she says, my head's a bit weird. There's loads of stuff I can't quite remember. And the doctor says, after effect of the silence, natural enough. And maybe he means it makes sense that she has forgotten some things, but maybe it also means everybody who has this much contact with the silence ends up forgetting some things. And the girl is something that he's forgotten. They've all forgotten. Ah, good point. Very good point. Mm. Maybe, maybe. <sighs> Man, okay, this I'm starting to not like this episode. <laughs> and you also have the scene where the doctor uses his scanner to scan Amy, and mm-hmm. it says pregnant, not pregnant. Yeah, positive, negative, positive, negative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think I know the logical why, uh, because of future episodes. But still, oh my God, this it had to be infuriating watching this in order. <laughs> And remember this, what I said at the beginning, this made my brain hurt. This made my brain kind of feel gooey 
watching this <laughs> because it was like, uh-huh, what's going there? There were so many things what? going on that my ADD couldn't process it. But you, you're thinking in a bigger scope, though. Um, no, I'm I think thinking just, of when I was watching it in 2011. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> saying I, I couldn't episode, compute. Yeah, I think you would take the episode on itself without trying to dig too much into the other mysteries, which we know are kind of ingrained in this episode. I think you would be fine. But still, my brain hurts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, considering brain hurting, let's get into the very final scene. And we see six months later, New York City, a little girl is on the street. There, she, uh, this guy asks her, little girl, are you okay? And she says, my favorite quote, it's all <laughs> right. It's quite all right. I'm dying, but I can fix yeah. that. It's easy, really. See? <sighs> Regenerate. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how she knew that, but maybe I'm forgetting something. <laughs> isn't that her first? Well, yeah. Uh, that's a lot of confidence saying that it's that it's easy. Yeah. Um, although some, well, yeah. Although something that uh, uh, fans have that have put together over the years that I, I really love is that one of the ways to explain the way regenerations have been presented, you know, almost from the beginning, uh, is that uh, the females are just better at it than the males are. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. I, I buy that. That it's for some reason it's just yeah. Uh, Romana can, can try on some different regenerations before she settles on one, you know? Um, but is, <laughs> okay. isn't that a fallacy into itself though? To say the females are better at it? No, it, not it's if, a, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> spoilers. Well, right, right. No, I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. When, when you're a time, <laughs> as a time lord, when you're a female, you're better at this than. Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, we don't know how many dudes Romana had been before this. Yeah. Maybe that's why he said he um, was going to call her Fred. Her Fred, yes. He remembers Fred. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh well, you know what? After after wrapping it up with Fred, I'm going to say, Lee Shackelford, what was your favorite quote? It, uh, it, it It's almost too easy as a comic moment. But I still, I still love it. But, um, uh, in, back in episode one, Canton had said that he'd gotten kicked out of the FBI because he wanted to marry somebody. And apparently it's illegal. So he couldn't. And we, and we drop it until the very end of the next episode when the doctor says, Hey, you know, you're the president. You can, you can work this out. And, and Nixon nods. So then after the TARDIS goes, Nixon says, this person you want to marry black? And Canton <laughs> says, yes. Yeah. He says, well, I know what people may think about me. He is. Uh, we can't do that. Not yet. Dun, he dun, says, dun. I, I think the moon is far enough for now. Don't you, Mr. Delaware? <laughs> <laughs> but I remember that, uh, that, and I see this on social media yet today that a lot of people still want to argue with this episode about this. And it makes me think that they haven't watched the whole thing or whatever. But I remember thinking this when I saw the first part. I thought, oh, he wants to marry a black woman. No, wait a minute. It's 1969. Uh, the Supreme Court ruled against that in 67. Uh, so, yeah, he can. So what are they talking about? So I actually, because I knew that part of the law, I got ahead of it and kind of ruined the joke for myself. Because mm-hmm. I thought, well, no, he can marry a black woman if he, oh. <laughs> 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 so I... I so my joy at this at the end of this episode was that it paid off the way I thought it was going to. <laughs> I just love that Canton says he is. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's, my, that's my favorite line of the episode. He is. He is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that threw me off because I didn't remember the first part of it in the yeah. first episode. So I'm like, what? Where did this come from? What? <laughs> hey, Clarence, your favorite quote. My favorite quote has already been brought up. The world is ours. We have ruled it since the uh, will and fire. Pew, pew. (laughs) Well, welcome to America. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, you guys know my favorite quote. So, Clarence, I'm going to point back to you. Your favorite scene. My favorite scene has already been talked about as well. And that's in the uh, command module. Don't worry. I put everything back like it was, (laughs) like I found it, except this. There's always a bit left over, isn't there? Yeah. That was Something. funny. So funny. And the, the visual there was actually pretty good, too. Yeah, we just keep pulling back and pulling back. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. All right. 
Oh my God. Lee, favorite scene. Oh, well, I, I, t- you can't top the, uh, the doctor and, uh, and, uh, River facing the silence back to back. And, yeah. <laughs> and he's got his screwdriver. I'm helping. <laughs> <laughs> Go build a cabinet or something. <laughs> it's just it's neat. All right. So I'm going to ask you, Lee Shackelford, final rating. What do you give it? Ooh, uh, I, I, I got to give this uh, five out of five. I give this five big working models of the lunar module with a broken um, antenna. All right. So I want to go next. I'm going to give it five spanner gun thingy madoodles that Lee Shackelford sent me out of five. <laughs> All right, Clarence, what say you? I don't want to break the mold here. Yeah. I, I give it five silence hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a creepy Christmas present. Exactly. <laughs> or a creep, creepy Christmas song. Oh, five. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, uh, when you have uh, you know the bad guys hanging from the ceiling, uh, apparently sleeping like that, of course, uh, uh, it calls it calls back to a class reunion where we saw the Krillatane doing that. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, and uh, Mickey gets uh, ragged because uh, he saw that and screamed like a little girl. No, it's the rat that he screams at. Yeah, I need to see school reunion again. Anyway, yep, yep. Well. I have one final question before we end for this episode, and that final question is, Clarence Brown, where can you be found on the Internet? Uh, I would just say continue to send in that good old feedback to hosts at DiscussingNetwork.com or uh, I think it's what DiscussingWho at Gmail.com and hit us up on all the social medias where, uh, you know, we love hearing everything you guys have to say. Some. Lee Shackelford, what say ye? I would say um, people should uh, follow me on Twitter, where I'm trying to tweet more often. And my handle there is RelativityPod, referring to the Relativity Podcast. So there you go. How about yourself? Awesome. Well, you know what? I won't say where else I can be found, but since I mentioned a character from this particular podcast earlier in the show, like Bichon Frise, I will say <laughs> if you love comedy podcast in the sci-fi genre, please check out the Oz 9 podcast. Just do a search in your favorite podcast player for Oz 9 podcast and check them out. They are hilarious. So, gentlemen, Thank you for joining me on another episode of Discussing Who. And for everyone listening, thank you for joining all three of us. We are glad that you are here, that you spent some time with us. And guess what? We will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre, they've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audible trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?